Hi there, welcome back to a new episode of Project 25. If you are new here, welcome. <laughs> I hope that you enjoy the conversation. I'm very happy to share today's episode with you because I spoke with Salima Stanley Banji. Salima is turning 45 this year. She is a lawyer, advocate, filmmaker, and mother. After leaving private legal practice in 2008, she spent over a decade working in the not-for-profit sector. She was the executive director of Byron Calgary, an NGO working in poverty reduction and advocacy, and as the general counsel of the Calgary Homeless Foundation. Now, she is the CEO and founder of Humanology, formerly known as the Calgary Center for Global Community, which was created with the vision of creating an equitable world where every human is heard, included, and valued. Humanology's mission is to center people facing systemic barriers by amplifying their stories and celebrating their humanity. Salima has produced and directed over 30 short films, receiving over 20 film festival awards and selections. She is also passionate about elevating the voices of people who are underrepresented and have intersectional identities, which is one of the reasons I was super excited to speak with her. In this episode, we talked about her journey from being 25 to here, which included many things, such as getting out of the black and white mindset, being unapologetically you, the importance of kindness, and how we have way more power than we think. Finally, I want to give a big shout out to my friend Jimena for encouraging me to reach out to Salima. Stay here because this was an amazing and inspiring conversation filled with profound thoughts and advice. Also, Salima's voice is incredibly soothing. You are going to love it! Project 25 was born out of the obsession that we have of figuring things out. Being a 25-year-old or a 20-something is weird because it's fun, confusing, and exciting all at once. <laughs> It's an age where we realize that maybe the goals we had for ourselves weren't really ours to begin with. An age of tons of learning and unlearning, and an age of frequently asking ourselves, what am I doing? And that leaves us with a lot of uncertainty. I'm Andrea Juarez, and I created this project after hitting my quarter-life crisis. <laughs> I decided to look for answers and ask my family members, friends, and people I admire about their experiences being 25 what has changed, what they've learned, and their advice for the new generation of 20-somethings. There is a lot to live and learn, and I am a firm believer that listening is a powerful tool. Even if all the answers are within us, by listening to others, we can feel understood, but also reflect on ourselves, learn, and think about what we want for our present and for our future. Thank you, Salima, again, for being part of Project 25. And I was going to say thank you for being here, like being in the podcast, but I'm actually at your home. So thanks for opening the doors. You're so and welcome. I'm just very excited. Today's interview, I read a little bit about your story, what's in humanology, about your career changes and other things that you've done, like for charities and marathons. So yeah, this is exciting. <laughs> 
And I want to ask you the first question, if you don't mind. So what is your age, title, or how will you describe yourself? So I am turning 45 this year. And I would describe myself, it's always a really hard thing to talk about yourself and like put labels on yourself. I think that I uh, am someone who lives life in a unique way and I enjoy doing things differently. I also love change, which I think is maybe different to a large amount of people. <laughs> and I feel like I experience a lot of joy through connection, through relationships, and also through um, creative pursuits. I love that. <laughs> um, I, I would also say that I describe myself as a citizen of the world, though I live here in Calgary, Alberta. I don't necessarily really believe in the idea of like nations, and I um, have traveled a lot in the past and felt myself be really comfortable and really at home in so many different places in the world and just see that same sort of like common thread of humanity in all people in all places and I am also a mother which has just been the last five years of my life journey and has been a really beautiful one sometimes sleepless one <laughs> um, and I also really like sleep which is one of the challenges of motherhood but yeah and I am just happy to meet you today and be on your cool podcast <laughs> thank you yeah I'm, I'm excited just with you saying that like being a citizen of the world and just feeling yourself at home in many places like yeah I'm excited for the next couple of questions <laughs> I um, imagine you feel a bit like that is that something? yeah well because I I mean I haven't lived in many places only like in Mexico and Canada but still like I met incredible people and like in my travels too like it's Funny because the world sometimes can feel really huge, but at the same time, it's so small. Mm -hmm. Like, I was in Colombia in December, and we met a man from Calgary. Oh. He owned, like, an Italian <laughs> restaurant, and he lived in Bridgeland oh all gosh. his life. <laughs> and, like, but if you don't talk to people, mm -hmm. you don't know yeah. that. You don't yeah. realize that. So, yeah. I don't know. I think, yeah, I also enjoy connections and just meeting people and messaging them randomly. <laughs> like... <laughs> you can tell yeah, like how we met which is so awesome yeah <laughs> so yeah and Salima I want to ask you what did you do when you were 25 so were you studying or were you working or did you have any hobbies so back when I was 25 I was in law school so I was studying law at the University of Calgary and I felt like I was doing what I was supposed to be doing like I although I wasn't like the best student, I really felt lucky to be doing what I was doing, having the opportunity to study law. And I didn't necessarily think I was going to have a lengthy career as a lawyer, but I felt like it was an opportunity that would open up doors for me to do other things in life, which for sure it has. I had a group of friends. I was very, you know, through, like I just moved to Calgary for the purpose of, of studying law. And um, so I had a group of friends very much connected to all of that. I loved going out to eat and dance. And I think I was also at that point in time, always, you know, still very interested in different experiences. I did some of my law degree at the University of Auckland. So I lived for six months in New Zealand 
And I was fairly like active and just like the life of being a law student. Seems like such a long time ago now. <laughs> it's a stretch for me to really remember. But but yeah, that is what was going on. That's so cool. And I like that sounds really cool, New Zealand. Yeah, it was neat because I grew up in Australia, oh, but wow. I had never, ever been to New Zealand before until after I immigrated to Canada. And what I found in New Zealand was like this adaptation of a culture I was familiar with, the Australian sort of culture in, you know, it was similar, like the New, Ze New Zealanders were similar to Australians and yet so different. And I liked those differences and it was cool to spend time there yeah 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 that's so cool I've always been like I've always wanted to go to Australia just put so much nature in like New Zealand too and yeah yeah, yeah it's definitely a neat part of the world I at the same time I don't truly I don't really miss living there yeah <laughs> all the animals here. oh yeah there is that <laughs> like snakes and spiders and yeah. things like that yeah but at least there's like no bears or like cougars and coyotes and, yeah <laughs> that's so funny and so Lima you mentioned that when you were 25 and you were studying law school you you were thinking like yeah I'm doing the right thing like I'm on the right path so I want to ask again besides that where was your mind at so what was your vision of the world or did you follow like a religion or did you have like a mantra or a big belief about how things should be <laughs> When I look back at myself when I was younger, I feel like I was a little more black and white. I think part of that was because I hadn't had as many experiences. I hadn't seen people close to me go through really difficult situations and be confronted with some of like the harsh realities of being alive. And also, I, I you know, I just, I think that with time and so many different relationships and experiences, you, you just start to see that there's so much gray area in terms of like what's right and what's wrong. And so I feel like at that stage in my life, there was a lot less gray. And, and so there was more certainty and more confidence in some senses because the world seemed less complex. Uh, whereas now I feel like I appreciate that, oh, there's so much gray, there's so much nuance, there's so much complexity, and that makes it more challenging sometimes to like navigate this thing called life. And and that also makes me more humble. So so 25-year-old me was pretty confident, thought she knew a lot, and yet was really only just beginning, I think, you know. She was starting to question the faith that she had grown up with. And that questioning was like, yeah, I was starting to move away from practicing organized religion and felt that organized religion, like not specifically the one that I followed, but just in general was starting to feel like it, it wasn't comfortable for me. It didn't resonate so much. And so there were explorations around other forms of spirituality, I would say at that point in time that then just really took off into like my late twenties and early thirties. I, I kind of went on a pretty huge spiritual search, I would say. But yeah. At that point in time, there were shifts starting to take place. And now that you're talking about shifts, you also mentioned that, you know, you used to think more like black and white, whereas you now can see the gray areas. So from when you were 25 to this day, what has changed? <laughs> I know many things I can imagine, but like in the world, in yourself. In the world, 
I see a lot of positive changes. I think that at the time when I was growing up and in my mid-20s, just in terms of things like diversity and inclusion, I don't feel like I truly felt at home in the world, partly because of you know my racial identity and how I grew up, growing up in a place that wasn't multicultural, where you know almost everyone around me was white and I didn't see myself that way, didn't identify that way, and I was brought up in a multiracial family. So I think that with time, just the way that the world has evolved, I feel like a greater sense of belonging as a person of color who is multiracial uh, in this world. So that's nice, <laughs> for sure. I think that in myself, I feel more at home in myself as well. And that has probably come at a cost in terms of like having difficult experiences, going through personal suffering and exploring depths of myself that I hadn't in my mid-20s, allowing me to get to know myself better and to understand like just the topography of my, you know, even just like my emotional world and what things I need to do to respect that and to be well and, you know, happy in this world and to thrive. So just better self-understanding. And I feel like I've always been pretty authentic. Like I've always just kind of been who I am. But an evolving thing is just being like less apologetic for being who you are, right? Like I think that can be really hard even still today. Like sometimes if you have opinions or you want things done a certain way or, you know, in doing the work that I do or or if, if you want to communicate a hard truth, sometimes it can be really challenging to do that and to feel like, oh, but I want people to like me and I, I don't want to come across, you know, as aggressive or the word that comes to mind, the B word, like, you yeah. know, like, and especially as you gain more experience and knowledge and competency and expertise in different fields, then you can start to become more intimidating to people. And so sometimes living your truth has other layers of challenge so yeah so that living my truth right like I think that's an evolving yeah journey yeah I love that just like yourself unapologetically and I think that I don't think I don't know if men experience that maybe it's more of a woman thing but yeah I definitely think there are elements of like how we've been socialized and conditioned that gender does play a role into that like it's so much easier for men to just to be decisive and to not come off as certain things when you're a woman certain traits that come off a certain way right like if you know what you want and you communicate it directly whereas and that can be perceived to be a negative thing whereas for a man it often isn't yeah know? it's like so, oh he's being assertive but if a woman does it it's like <laughs> oh she's being aggressive mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's unfortunate. But I think our world is changing gender roles and people's expectations around how we're supposed to act and just like the sort of dissolution of the binary and all of these things, right? Like there are shifts and that's another reason that I feel happy to be in the world or happier to be in this world today than 20 years ago. Yeah. Oh, thank you for sharing that. Jaleem, I want to ask you, you talk a little bit about living your truth. And I also read that, for example, you were, yeah, like you were a lawyer for a bit and then started working in the nonprofit world and then created humanology. So I want to ask you, what do you do now and what are your beliefs? 
I co-founded an organization called Humanology in I think 2016. It's a nonprofit and a charity. And really at the core of our values and our mission is amplifying and celebrating the voices, the stories, the humanity of people who've experienced systemic barriers. And it's work that comes from the heart for me, which is a real privilege to get to do. And it's creative um, storytelling. You know, we tell a lot of stories through short film. And part of what I really love about the work is that we really value the people whose stories we tell. And so the process that we undergo while telling their stories, sharing their stories, finding out about them is really in some ways just a process of like friendship, evolution of friendship in a lot of cases. And that's really special and beautiful. And so I feel lucky to do the work I do. I think the other part of the question is I believe in less than I did in my mid-20s. And I think what that means is that there is a greater sense of unknowing, greater sense of comfort in not having the answers, not having any kind of ideology or dogma that I'm really attached to. And it's interesting because... Initially, I was involved in religious practice, then that morphed into kind of a spiritual practice. And then I got involved with this other kind of practice that was sort of about letting go of a spiritual practice, but was still a practice. And so now I even hesitate to say I'm spiritual. I just feel like whatever I am, whatever it is, it's like undefinable and it's even hard to put words to it. And ultimately, that sense of not knowing, you know, not being able to explain why we're here or the meaning of things is something that I think I embrace in a bigger way than I I did when I was 25. (laughs) Yeah, that's amazing because I find that in this age, like at least in my experience, like I want to know everything. That's why I'm asking all these questions. So how old are you? I just turned 26, like in last month. Yeah, but I I really liked doing the project. So I was like, I'm going to keep doing it. But yeah, it's interesting you say that because I interviewed my friend's mother and she told me that, you know, there are some things that, don't have an answer and that's okay and I was like wow like that's such a like an amazing point Mm -hmm. of view Mm -hmm. yeah and, and I feel like definitely that and one of the other things too that I feel myself always considering is like two things can be true even though they don't sit well together or they sort of cancel each other out or seem like they're opposing, they could still be true at the same time. I think that we're just so bound by like logic and reason and we try to make sense out of things where those rules actually don't really apply, those rules of logic and reason. Like we're trying to figure out this whole existential questions with a tool that is so small. We're trying to answer a question that's so big. So for me, I think, yeah, just greater and greater comfort in like not knowing, not having answers. And, you know, and sometimes I would say that I I do have answers, but sometimes they maybe also come more from my intuition, from a sense of knowing not from a space that maybe is in my head. I love that. Thank you for saying that. (laughs) And Salima, I also wanted to ask you, you mentioned humanology and that it started in 2016. And 
but like how did it start so like what you said that it's close to your heart so but yeah like what moved you to spread this empathy and creating inclusion and reducing discrimination i know you mentioned a little bit but yeah if you can elaborate Yeah, I think it was probably the combination of an opportunity that I got to lead an organization originally called the Calgary Center for Global Community was sort of operating name. We kind of you know rebranded things to Humanology. So that opportunity came about for me. And I think that you know, what I brought forward was a commitment to making this world a better place. But the way in which I wanted to do that, I think, was in a way that is relatable for people and that's like everyday sort of thing versus, oh, you need to go work for an NGO on the other side of the world. Or I just wanted to, like, how can we make things better for everyone, kind of every moment, every person, every moment, right? So that was sort of where it started and just doors opened in the way of like filmmaking connections were made things started to spontaneously happen and sometimes I think that happens right when you almost like get led somewhere versus like intentionally having a plan and trying to make it happen so there was a little bit of magic I suppose that kind of unraveled to lead me to today Yeah, I love that love because it, like you mentioned, I guess like one person at a time being kind, being empathetic. I think it's a similar, like humans of New York, I like, will have that similar concept as well, where it's like, well, you don't need to like go like somewhere else, like to volunteer. Like you can also be nice to people and help in any way that you can, if you can, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, I mean, there's so much that you can just do inside your own self and inside your own relationships, even if it's just listening a little better, putting your phone away and being more present with the people in your life or, you know, or just a, a moment of eye contact with a stranger, right, sometimes can be really meaningful. Like we don't really know what other people are going through, you know, what's happening in their heads. And sometimes just a moment of connection can be just what somebody needed on that day in that moment so I think that we have more power than we sometimes believe and I think that when we also consider many many people doing something small the power of that is also very significant Yeah, thank you for saying that. <laughs> I totally agree. And I also meant to ask you, what has been your biggest challenge and how did you deal with it or dealt with it? I don't know if this would be my biggest challenge, but a challenge, and this kind of goes back to, I think, what you know your podcast focuses on, is that I think as a younger person, I had fairly specific ideas of what I thought my life was going to be like and what I wanted to have happen in my life. And I think that probably didn't serve me um, <laughs> because my life hasn't turned out that way. I haven't checked off all the boxes that I had when I was 25. And I think it probably has taken me time and difficulty to arrive at a place where I'm accept and more than okay with what my life is. And perhaps if I didn't have like those boxes or those ideas that were so sort of specific or rigid to begin with, maybe I would have ended up here more gracefully. And I think ultimately what I've learned is that life 
can take shape in uh, unimaginable ways and things can happen that you never would have planned or hoped for and yet you can find yourself in a place where this is perfect this is I can't imagine myself being somewhere else yeah a place where you are satisfied Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah so I think that getting here definitely required me to extend my views on things my perceptions about what a life should look like what a good life should look like what a perfect life should look like for me you know and to expand you know what is possible for us and what can bring us happiness and can we be just like that much more flexible about how life can take shape and open yeah yeah like be open to possibilities and just let life surprise you (laughs) i love it and salima can you share now about a time in which you succeeded what happened and what did you do i feel successful as a mother that's not to say that i've done everything right or that i haven't had moments where i was like tired and grumpy and could have said something much better than what I did (laughs) to my my daughter but I do feel that I have been able to be this consistent loving presence for my daughter who accepts her how she is and who is open and willing to talk about things and wants to show her a version of the world that is much less like boxy than the one I guess that grew up with and hopefully that serves her so it's not something that I like go to sleep at night and pat myself on the back like you know but I guess what I do feel about it is that I don't really have regrets and I think sometimes that's a good measure right of feeling like I feel comfortable with what her life has looked like and and how she's been kind of acquainted with this world. Oh, that's beautiful. (laughs) And Salima, can you share a time in which you failed? So what happened? How did you handle the situation? And what did you learn? I think that a lot of my failures in the past have taken the shape of like failed, like romances, failed, like dating situations and stuff like that. And I've had a lot of relationships. So there's been a lot of those. And I think ultimately when relationships end, even when maybe they were supposed to end, we sort of identify it as a failure, you know, yeah. which is, it, it's too bad, right? Because All of those things were experiences that gave us an opportunity to see parts of ourselves, maybe even to see like dysfunction in ourselves or like triggers and to be able to be more knowledgeable, right? Like the next time. Yeah. So in some ways, I don't really want to describe the endings as failures, you know, Um, but I feel like at the time of I very often did that. They felt yeah, like yeah, failures. yeah, right? Like that didn't yeah. work out. Like, ah, oh. and always that sort of tendency to say, like, well, what did I do wrong? How did I contribute to to this situation? And I think that probably for me, like so much of my growth and learning has come from all of those chances to be connected to other people and to see sides of myself. And really like to see that how different people bring out different parts of you. And I think that 
in terms of dealing with those failures. Sometimes it's been with a lot of crying, <laughs> which is very therapeutic. <laughs> I encourage people to try it if you don't already. But um, I think that, yeah, reflection, of course, right? And sometimes I can be prone to like too much of that. But ultimately, sometimes repetition can be a really good teacher. Like if you find yourself in a situation that looks a similar way to other situations you've been in or you're feeling a similar way like I think a lot of wisdom can come from that so I'm not saying that I have at all learned everything that there is to learn in that regard but I, I do think that there has been a lot of amazing experiences a lot of failures and yeah just even the acceptance of failure right is yep. is a profound thing Like, to not be afraid of it. Yeah, yeah, like, oh, try and try again. And, yeah. and to be able to realize how resilient you are, right? That you can go through failure repeatedly and still be here and still be happy. Yeah. And, and still be willing to also put yourself forth for the next thing and the next thing. Yeah. That's great. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and Salima, what has motivated you? Or what motivates you? Sunshine definitely motivates me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sunshine and warm weather, which is like a bit questionable as to why I live here then. But And I think for sure, just like human connection, sometimes first thing in the morning, like the bizarre things that my daughter says, like right off the bat when she wakes up, like sometimes they're like really out of context or really specific, just something that she's thinking about that would never be remotely on my mind. And it's always really entertaining to hear. And and just those initial hugs and those initial exchange of words and weird meanderings first thing in the morning, it definitely makes me happy to be alive. I think I'm also motivated by the things I see in the world that I feel like could be happening better or shouldn't be happening at all. Those things motivate me to be able to be part of creating those little shifts and to know that I am able to contribute, right? I think that's motivating. And Salima, if you could go back to when you were 25, would you change anything or make things different? So you sent me the list of questions before we met and it was a while ago that I had a look through them and I paused on this question and I went around in circles in my head to figure out what my answer was. <laughs> no, no, it was a good exercise. And it's sort of like if you change even one small thing in your past, it could change everything after that that happened. And so I kind of feel like it's impossible to say that there's anything you want to change if you feel just fine with where you are today right and feel grateful so I think for me I can't really go down that road of like I should have or I wish I had like it just really isn't part of my makeup and I think that I lost my dad in 2021 I think to COVID and it was a situation where oh gosh I like for weeks I was in that place of should have could have not just in terms of his treatment but even just in terms of our relationship and that's really a place of suffering when and and I think that I wouldn't really want to put myself through that for one, but also that 
it's perfect to like fail, mess things up. It's perfect to have all of the non-ideal experiences that life brings. There, I think that I look back and I just sort of feel like everything happen the way it was meant to happen yeah and I think also having a little human in my life and thinking about the possibility that if I did something different it wouldn't be her it, it just yeah it doesn't Christ feel your right heart. like you know <laughs> so pretty okay with what's happened even with all of its messiness right yeah. and imperfection and I think that's a great way to live I feel grateful for having that perspective yeah Thank you for, for sharing that. And I'm sorry about your father. Oh, thank you. Thanks. And Salima, we talked a little bit about being 25 and discovering life can really surprise you and you don't have to be fixated in one certain thing. So I want to ask you now, what advice do you have for today's 20-somethings or what do you wish you knew when you were 25? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think that I might reverse the question around, if that's okay, and almost be like, what could I take from that 25-year-old that would help me today? Yeah. Is that is that okay? If I oh, do yeah. That? Yeah. Yeah, I said, there are no rules. <laughs> we got to right. keep things, like, we got to make it interesting. <laughs> <laughs> okay, because I feel like... For sure, go through life, a lot of stuff happens. If it doesn't happen to you, it happens to people close to you. And you just, you see the amazing resilience of humans, which is incredible. But sometimes you can also start to lose that sense of anything is possible and magic can happen that I think we do have when we're younger. I think that sometimes there can be this level of confidence when you're younger about what you might do and be and become in the world I can remember maybe my 12 year old self was like I'm going to be a pop star and then after <laughs> I outgrew that I was like well I'm going to be a heart surgeon and I don't, you know and you have like lofty dreams and you truly feel like they're realizable and then as you get older sometimes you get separated from that and feel like there is a massive obstacle between you and your dreams or just like magic doesn't happen yeah. or it doesn't happen often or to me. So I think reconnecting with that magic and that maybe it, it could even be like an absurd confidence or just like the ability to embrace what seems impossible, right? That I think is more of a feature of our youth than it is as we grow older. So that's something that I feel like, yeah, bring a little bit more of that back, Would that that would be okay. Yeah, so a little bit more of that magic. <laughs> like my friends and I, like sometimes we call ourselves like delusional. <laughs> But yeah, like I, I rather like be a little bit delusional mm -hmm. than, yeah. you know, just, I don't know, conform myself with something that I don't want. Or... Yeah, yeah, and I, I love that word delusional and giving it it's kind of got a, a bad rap right yeah. we think about it as like a negative thing but you know what maybe there are some benefits to some amount of delusion right and maybe a level of delusion will actually helps us go places that other people don't tend to go yeah or where like we will never expect it ourselves yeah. to be 
And I, one of the things that, like, I read that book a while ago, I skimmed it, the, the four-hour work week or something, I think it's called, or oh, five-hour, okay. I don't know how many hours, but it's not very many. And in that book, one of the things I really remembered that the author wrote about was that if you aim for these impossible things, there's not a lot of other people aiming for those things. Like, so you don't have much competition. Whereas if you aim for the predictable, if you aim for like the average thing, you have a lot of competition because that's where everyone else is aiming. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Yes. Right? Like, yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting perspective and Mm -hmm. smart too. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm just going to ask the last question. This has been lovely. Thank you for for your time. Is there anything you'd like to share that you think it's important and I didn't ask? Well, you asked a lot of great questions. I feel (laughs) like I talked about myself more than I like to. And I really don't have a whole lot that's coming up that I want to add. I mean, maybe just a last parting remark, like if anyone is in their 20s and is listening to this, is just be you. Go easy on yourself. So easy to be critical and to not give ourselves space to a lot of mistakes and I just actually literally came from a coffee with a friend who's in her 20s and yes. we were <laughs> talking about that and personally I think life does get easier with age I feel like the 20s and 30s for me and for many people that I know are really challenging years And I I do think that life gets easier as we become more settled in our own selves. So for anyone who's like having a hard time, I would just say that like it it does, it does get better. That's my feeling anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Like this too shall pass. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's a good one. I love that one. Yeah. Thank you so much for. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much for listening. If you'd like to support the show, please share this episode with your friends or with someone who may benefit from this conversation. You can also rate the show and leave a review and follow it on Instagram at project25.podcast. And if you'd like to share your story or know someone who does, feel free to email me at andrea.project25 at gmail.com. You can also send me your comments and suggestions in case you want to see someone here. And that's all from me. I'll see you next week. Bye-bye.